The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I, I think the scary thing for me is like I went into such a cave and such a tunnel with them that that it also like brings up all this stuff in your body, right? Like I was like, oh my God, I'm exposing like really some vulnerable parts of myself in doing this. But like, I think the two days before my first like full draft was due, I got my first migraine ever. Welcome back to Open Late Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Spaniari, and today I am welcoming back to the show my dear friend, the author of The Polyamory Paradox, and somatic and intimacy coach, Irene Morning. Welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really happy you're here too. It is a Monday morning. We are getting ready to rock and roll this week, and I can't think of a better way to kick it off than to finally record an episode going over this book that I have been, as my listeners know, affectionately referring to as the Bible. <laughs> New Bible. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Sorry if that does feel like pressure, but you must know that I think I texted you. I think my exact words were, you wrote the book. I, yeah, honestly, that text message made me cry. Like, I remember I was with my partner and like it came through, it felt like kind of a random moment. And I was like... I was like, oh my God, like Jessica just like hit my heart. I know that this has been a labor of love <laughs> in all the ways that Thank you know, you. us polyamorous uh, folks can love. Yeah. And so much of your heart and soul is in this book. Knowing you intimately, like it's cool because I'm like, okay, I know, I know her partner and I, you know, have been around at least in the peripheral for, I feel like some of your evolution and you've been there for my evolution as well. Like reclaiming pleasure is such a big part of my life. So then to see this book really come out so that I can share it with everyone who listens to this show as such a resource, but also just like a beautiful reflection of the experience of dipping your toes into a non-traditional relationship. Like it is the complete wild, wild west. And I feel like you've finally like given people, and there are plenty of resources out here. I was about to say you've given people the roadmap and there are amazing resources for this, but I feel like this is one of the most comprehensive, if not the most complete book to take you from the beginning experiences through being able to live this way with as many tools as possible for any type of, um, for, for any type of open relationship. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, yeah. Those words are so kind. I really appreciate it. And it, it felt like for me, it was really important to kind of pair, like you said, there are a lot of resources now and there are way more like good resources now than like when I started, and I so appreciate that we're developing that world and that library. And one of the sort of like frustrations for me in reading a lot of like 
the more self-helpy books around non-monogamy is the ones that I really like are usually written by therapists who aren't doing a lot of self-disclosure. So you're not necessarily getting like the personal narrative of like what it was like for them. You're hearing like their retelling of how it worked for clients, which is great and helpful. And I also do some of that, but there's also really something about reading more like personal, like memoir type narrative that for me clicks into place differently. And because I'm, I mean, I, I hope that the therapy, I see this changing a little bit in like corners of the therapy world, but I think that is one of the things where coaching gets to operate differently. We're like, I don't necessarily have the same concerns professionally about self-disclosure where like I can tell my story more openly and not worry that that's going to interfere with my practice, but that actually it really supports my clients. We can, we can watch people all day long who are at more of a, a professional or medical even level sharing these things. But until you see the person that you can really resonate with, that is like, oh, she is very similar to me at some of the same events or places or, um, you know, communities that I'll step into. And this is her account of it, you know, and then you also have the training, like you have the somatic training and you, you know, it's, this book is not very coachy at all, but it has the elements of it that an amazing coach uses to reflect and guide and lay out these formulas and say, pick, pick what works for you. I'm going to tell you the right way to do it. So I really, really mm-hmm. appreciate it so much. And I cannot wait to dive in to the, there's so we could just, can we do a reading actually? <laughs> I mean, yeah, some, I would actually love that. That sounds great. <laughs> Yeah, like a live reading of the entire book. We'll just make it a week-long program where people can come bring their partner. Yeah, we'll we'll just like separate it out in chapters and like read it one chapter at a time and then have a discussion group. That uh, let's actually plan that. That sounds wonderful. I want to ask you about your writing process. <laughs> so, tell us about the wild roller coaster that was birthing this book. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny. I heard a couple of people, um, before I, I dove into this, like talk about book writing as a birthing process. And I kind of was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like I conceptually like cool. And then I was in it and I was like, holy shit. Like absolutely. Like what is happening right now? Um, Yeah. Well, and I mean, just as like an aside, I also once upon a time trained as a doula and was in the part like right before publication going like, yeah, this is definitely a form of transition, like right before you start pushing where it's like everything just gets disorienting and you're like, where am I? What is going on? What is my life? Um, So I I published this book with a, a small kind of boutique press out of uh dc and they really focus on supporting authors who want to change the world by supporting people essentially um i I don't think that's their exact verbiage but that's sort of how i think about it and and they have a whole process for helping people who have never written a book before 
go go through all of that and actually like get the thing out in a way that's going to be most supportive for who they're trying to reach. And I so appreciated working for, with them because I had for a year prior to that been working on what is now a completely other book for a while. The two were kind of like enmeshed, um, but I've been working for about a year, actually maybe longer on a, a version of my memoir and was just kind of like so swimming in all of it and realized that, that first of all, I had two different books here and this one that was more related to coaching and more like tool oriented needed to come out of me first. And also had realized that there was stuff in the memoir that, that I just needed more time to be digested within me. Like it, it wasn't, that stuff wasn't actually ready to be birthed. Like I have a whole manuscript that's just like sitting on my computer that I'll get back to in a couple months, but, but it wasn't ready at the time. And I stepped into working with this, this publishing company and they were so organized and so structured about like, here's the process to go through. And I had come to this place that felt so disoriented and so disorganized in my memoir writing that I was like, oh my God, my ADHD brain is so happy right now. <laughs> like someone's just going to lay out the steps and hold me accountable to them. And like, I don't have to figure out all of the executive functioning yeah, stuff of like how to order things and how to like time things. And yeah. And, and I mean, I can't, I can't sing their praises enough in terms of the process that they laid out where like so much of it was about prep work and connecting to what it is you're trying to offer the person that you're trying to support. Right. And so I was working a lot with like avatars of clients that, that have really resonated with what I do and former versions of myself from like when I got started and like really visioning, like, what is it that, that I say to those people? What is it that I needed to hear when I was in that place? What is it that the clients that I've been most successful at supporting, like, what is it that we're talking about? And then from that place of getting really, really clear with all of that stuff, just having like very limited amounts of time where I just kind of like dump the chapters out. Like, here's the focus of this chapter, go. And there were definitely moments where I, I think the scary thing for me is like, I went into such a cave and such a tunnel with them that, which I, which I needed to. And I mean, writing a, a, writing a book is such a major creative process that it also like brings up all this stuff in your body, right? Like I was like, oh my God, I'm exposing like really some vulnerable parts of myself in doing this. That like, I think the two days before my first like full draft was due, I got my first migraine wow. ever and like couldn't look at my computer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? I was like, okay, universe, like I get it. I'll slow down. I'll stay in bed for a day, but also like, fuck. <laughs> and, and I went into such an intense cave with that process that I came to the point of, of publishing it feeling like, oh my God, I haven't actually really like shared that much of the book with peers who are in my field. 
And so there was also this moment of, I mean, if there was anything that I was going to do different, that I would go back and do differently, I think it would actually be getting some of the chapters like more with more pure input on them. Um, and at the same time, that's just not like what this particular book needed, but it put me in this position of like, right before publication being like, I, it was like, I blacked out. I was like, I don't know what's in this book <laughs> and I don't know if it's any good. And I yeah, don't know like, how I, I feel it about all. it. And so, I don't like, I was like, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. I like it's, it's in the book. And like, as like a self-protective mechanism, something in me is just like erasing my memory of like anything that I put on the page. It's like, it just, you're just channeling. And then you're like, Oh, <laughs> and so there was this really vulnerable moment for me where like it was going to print and I was waiting for like advanced praise from a few people having no idea what they were going to say about it and feeling like, and, and, you know, the like abandonment wound in me was going like, Oh my God, you're going to get rejected. Like all of your peers are going to hate this thing and disagree with everything that you've written and your career will fall apart and no one will refer clients to you. And like totally spinning out on the future, tripping around that. And I'm sharing that because I think every single author who's ever published a book, like has shit like that come up around it, mm. especially if it includes personal information. And and then I remember I got um, a dear friend and colleague who did advance praise for the book. I got his email back with the praise with a much longer quote, but essentially what you said of like, you've written the book. And I just remember like the wave of relief that came over me of like, okay, the people that I'm concerned about their opinion here, support what I've said. And not that, not that you need everyone's approval. And I also know that there are things in this book that people disagree with. And I'm actually really excited to start those discussions more. But that kind of soothing of like, okay, I'm anxious about abandonment. And then here's this, like, I'm vulnerable. My, my vulnerability is being embraced, essentially. And like that, that feeling in the process as I've gone on to like, it's now out there in the world and now I'm just promoting it. That feeling continues to deepen. And that's been a, a super, super like magical and healing experience with it. And there's like more and more coming up for me of like what got left out, yeah. right? Like there's all the stuff that didn't make it into this book. So like, yes, it, it feels like a super useful guidebook to a lot of people. And I'm going like, yeah, but there's also this other thing. Yeah, absolutely. This other thing. Cause like, otherwise like that's all material for the like next one. You'll never get it out if you're constantly adding. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I was just talking to a friend the other day who's now in the book writing process. And we were having exactly that conversation of like, you have to choose your cutoff point at some point, you know, and like, I chose a cutoff point with this book that that was really meant to give people hope on like, I didn't even end it on like the most full blown expressions of like, 
I have multiple partners or multiple lovers. And like, you can get to like a full blown kitchen table polyamory setting. I was just trying to give, like, you can get out of the place where it's super overwhelming and triggering all the time. And then from there you can keep growing. Yeah. Into whatever space feels best for you. Cause I think sometimes too, and not that you meant this, but it just like brought it up for me because I used to think that kitchen table was like the, the goal that meant I was like evolved and had matured in my, you know, mm-hmm. polyamory monopoly. Yeah. But like, that's actually not, you know, for people. don't get triggered anymore. <laughs> Maybe it is for you. If it's your personal goal or my personal goal, but I think it's such a great, yeah. The way to end it because it, it never is that even when you get to that place, there's still these other, other things and crises <laughs> and, you know, life stuff that's going to happen. That's going to make you feel like you're, you know, not doing it right. <laughs> like relationships. Or life. Mm-hmm. And, and unexpected dynamics, like part, like for you as an individual, you can be working towards a certain dynamic. And then one of the people that you happen to fall in love with along the way, that's not a dynamic that's going to work for them. And then it totally changes the whole thing. Right. So like it, it, it brings me back to like that sort of continuous, like checking in with self of like, what's my, why, what do I need from this? how am I navigating it in the context mm-hmm. of like a whole landscape of other people's needs and wants? And, and like, it all gets to change. It's all going to change. How you relate to it one day is not going to be how you relate to it two years from now. So I think that's actually the perfect way to end your book because it is always evolving and it's not some big celebration. Like anything, when you kind of get to the thing that you've been working towards, and it's here, it's, uh, you know, we, we forget to celebrate because we've already done and have started working towards like the next thing that we can see as like the peak, but you're, you forget to realize like, you're like, Oh, actually getting out of the place where mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like hypervigilant or body, like that's constantly that's moving the goalpost. You celebrated. And that is what you've done in a hundred and I think 50 pages less. So you could read this cover to cover in like a day, people. Um, actually, this is actually, I want to ask you before we dive into the book, we talked the other day and you brought up this topic and I haven't given it much thought, but mm-hmm. I, I think maybe this would be a great place to chat about it because I think it's going to tie into some of our events in the future. Uh, one of the biggest issues you see is people diving into non-monogamy or some form of non-traditional relating, not really understanding their why. Yeah. Um, My brain goes in so many places around that one. I think there's, I see that in sort of like a broad spectrum of like, I see some people will like starting into it really from a place of curiosity and feeling like, okay, there's, there's something here that's interesting to me and I want to lean in and I want to explore and and figure out what that is, which is great. I'm not knocking exploration um, and can kind of get elbow deep in it without ever revisiting. Do I want to clarify my intentions or get a little bit more specific and integrated given the experiences that I've had and sort of like orient more to what's going to work specifically for me. I also see since the book came out, 
I'm getting approached more and more by couples and, and not to overgeneralize it, but, but what I'm seeing increasingly there is being approached by a woman in a hetero presenting relationship where they're feeling really overwhelmed and to some degree, this isn't exactly their languaging, but usually what we get to in some form in the conversation is that they're overstepping their own capacity to try to keep up with a partner's desire to be doing this. And it's not that they necessarily, that they like don't want to be doing it, but that they're going beyond what they can actually like comfortably accommodate at that particular point. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it's like their personal reason for exploring non-monogamy is getting influenced or tangled up in someone else's reasons for non-monogamy. And I totally understand why that happens. And I want us to have more support around kind of disentangling and being able to root into what's my why, because when I know my reasons for this and what it gives me, that's maybe different from what it gives a partner, Mm. it makes it a lot easier for me to navigate the challenges in it, right? Like if I'm struggling with feeling anxious or jealous or whatever feelings are coming up that I need to be working through, if I don't know why I'm facing that hard stuff, like what's, what makes it worth it for me? What's in it for me? It's going to make it all the more distressing because I don't have like the good parts of it to anchor into. I don't have as much resourcing to say like, well, here's what I get out of this that makes this more challenging work worth it, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. It's it kind of what you're saying really makes me think of the fact that I, I share a lot that having relationship check-ins, people ask me, you know, all the time about boundaries and agreements and things like that. And it's so important to revisit those, you know, on a timeline that you set up for your relationship. It's also important to be doing that with yourself, with your relationship with yourself. So that's what it made me think of like, oh, okay. First and foremost, you know, is your why and is checking in with yourself to constantly refine, not just because you might be getting, you know, tangled up in or like, and that's the, I think the light end of it. Some people get completely swept away. They're, you know, outside influences and their partners wants and desires. Mm -hmm. But also the other side of it too, is like, 
to refine so that you can either tighten up a little bit. You talk about the window of tolerance, right? It's the window of tolerance, right? Yeah, which I love so much and we can get mm-hmm. into. Um, but it's also, mm-hmm. you know, to, I think, just be in that flow of like being able to mold, to open up more when you kind of do that personal assessment and things can feel more expansive so you can open up in certain areas or refine and kind of go inward when you are stepping outside of that like realm of growth but in a comfortable, healthy way, which I think is a perfect segue. I forgot to mention it earlier. I'm like, we're going to talk about these few things, but I have been talking about this concept since I read it in your book and sharing it with people. And I think it's such an important one that you detail in this book. Can you tell us about the window of tolerance? So uh, the window of tolerance comes from um, some underlying concepts that, that we get really deep into in somatic work. And the whole idea is, I'm going to try to be really succinct about this because we're not. Let me say this in what the thing that I remember so much from our previous episode for people who are listening, I forgot to mention it earlier. It's episode 56. It's called mind body non-monogamy. And in it, Irene, Mm -hmm. we go into like a beautiful sort of understanding of the difference between stress and trauma. And I think if you haven't yet listened to that episode, it would be a great precursor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can listen to it without that, but yeah well and thank you for saying that because that also kind of like helps me compartmentalize like oh yeah we go way deeper in that episode and getting into that stuff so if what I say right now you want to like you know understand more in depth like go back to that episode um but essentially it's like we have a range in our nervous system which really is sort of like our core thing for embodiment, right? Like it dictates everything about how we experience our body, which dictates everything about how we experience our lives and our present moment. Um, We have a a range in our nervous system of sort of like optimal functioning. And that's the window of tolerance. And on either sort of end of the window of tolerance, we have a little bit of a stress zone which can be really useful for growth and expanding the window of tolerance. And when I say expanding the window of tolerance, I mean being able to accommodate more flexibility, be more responsive to surprises and stressors and uh, remain present when there's more kind of load on our system. And so it's possible to like, have healthy stress that helps us expand the window of tolerance. But once we're outside the window of tolerance, it's really hard for us to be present in certain ways. And it's really hard for us physiologically to actually be like in our bodies in a way that connects well, like supportively with other people's bodies and other people's nervous systems. So the window of tolerance is kind of also where we're best at intimacy where we're best at connection with other humans. Um, yeah. And, and where we access pleasure, which is like, you know, those are kind of like all of the like pillars of like why I'm so obsessed with it in my work is like 
we access all the good stuff really in the window of tolerance and how like as it pertains to non-monogamy if you're going through like a really challenging experience in non-monogamy and you're finding yourself really struggling in a big way and i mean like triggered in a way that interferes with doing work or maintaining relationships or having healthy sleep or getting proper nutrition, like all of these kind of like basic regulation things, Mm -hmm. you're probably operating outside your window of tolerance. Like that's a flag of like, okay, we want to bring it back in. And I think there's a lot of misperception for people when they step into non-monogamy of, okay, maybe there's going to be some process here, but now that I'm doing it, I have to like fully do it. And that for most of us will take us One outside of the, things of the window. That I forgot to mention quickly. earlier, and I love so much about you, period. I was going to say your work, but you are like the person, when I think of you, I think of let pleasure be your guide. That's something that you, you always say, I think you sign off your emails this way. Um, yeah, I do actually. All of my emails say in celebration of your pleasure because I really want people to like keep hearing that. I'm like, I don't care what the fuck the email was about. I want you to end it celebrating your pleasure. <laughs> and it's so important because I feel like that is sort of the the kind of container for your whole book. It's like leaning into the things that feel good and as you're talking about the the window of tolerance, what's coming up for me and what I'm remembering is I think like right away and, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong in, in sort of like the steps of the book or how it goes, but it's like coming back to those things that have you feel nourished and to, you know, create pleasure in, in one of the four realms that we have pleasure, um, right. Which you go over in the book and I'm going to butcher. So help me. <laughs> it's, it's like intellectual, right. Uh, physical, <laughs> spiritual, and mm-hmm. um, connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't interject there because I love hearing like how people actually remember, like, because there's not actually any wrong way of doing all of it, right? Like, part of I'm, I'm not attached to people yeah. interpreting my work a certain way as long as it's supportive for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always love to actually hear like how it gets digested. That's right. The way I frame it in the book is there's body based. And then what, what you're, um, mm-hmm. what you were saying was intellectual. I think I frame as, as mental and emotional and then the spiritual I'll also sometimes call energetic depending on, you know, how someone relates to spirituality. Sometimes people like the word energetic better. Um, and then connection I talk about as relational, but that can be like related to anything. That's not just romantic or sexual relationships. That's your relationship with yourself. That's your relationship with nature. That's your relationship with your pets, like everything. Yeah. And thank you so much. It's, it's funny to actually think here what I, what I read them as. And yeah, everyone's going to interpret it differently. The reason that I bring it up is because you talk about, okay, like when you are outside of, you know, your, your window of tolerance where it's like too much growth, like too uncomfortable that it can be re-traumatizing. I think you immediately or very quickly talk about getting back into Mm -hmm. like what feels good and a regulated state 
through like focusing on your own pleasure first. So, and it was so simple when I read it, I was like, this is wild. I'm a person, you know, unrelated to non-monogamy who would forego a lot of pleasure in my own life, you know, as whatever, a people pleaser, a good girl mentality, or whatever it was taking care of everybody else before me, just that the programming that I have from the way I was raised. And it was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks when it was like, go drink water, <laughs> take a nap, watch a show that you like, which I don't remember <laughs> what shows there, but like, honestly, just like, watch like something that's actually going to make you feel good. Probably. Because you cannot relate to yourself or others in your like highest capacity if you are not in a regulated state and the fastest way to regulation is pleasure. I was like, wow, this is rocket science over here. And, and to expand how we think about pleasure, right? Like that's part of why touching on all four of those realms is so important to me is like often when I'm talking about pleasure, people immediately jump to sexual pleasure. And, and like, I am a happily excited, sex-positive human being and practitioner. And I want to talk about sex all the time. That's part of how I wound up doing what I do. And we access more sexual pleasure when we're also tapping into these other realms. And I think it's it's a, a lie of all these different systems of oppression that we exist within to say that pleasure has to be one particular thing or that it's only sexual pleasure in order to like sell us a vibrator or sell us whatever, like I, I'm seeing so much like Yoni oil yeah. lately. <laughs> I'm like, where is this coming from? And like, all of those things are great. Like I love sex toys. I love oils, but it doesn't have to necessarily be that complicated. And it doesn't have to be this thing outside of us. Like, and if we can expand how we conceptualize pleasure we get a lot more agency back over what it means to us and how we can use it. For everybody listening to this, that for me, this was one of the biggest tools I feel like I learned in the last year of working with you, even longer than that now, because we've taken a little break, um, but that I am fully responsible for my pleasure. And it's not just about my orgasm. It's like my rollerblading and going to see a show that's like really exciting and all of the ways that I can constantly fill my own cup then allow me to access so much more when I am with people that are going to like bring me sexual pleasure because I'm constantly coming from a really full place. Um, (laughs) I want to move into the book a bit more because (laughs) some of the things that we're talking about really help in any relationship, but there are some things in here, obviously, because this book is, you know, the polyamory paradox that are going to support people on their journey to opening up. And you hit on this very interesting thing that you've named the unsolvable problem. And I was like, oh, wow, this is not good for the girl in me that really wants to be winning all the time. Really, like all problems (laughs) with my answer as the winning answer. But Mm -hmm. I, I think that this is one of the most empowering things in this book Uh for people in relationships that want to open because they, you know, and just speaking from the dynamic that you have and that I have, like we both have a primary partnership, right? And we would like to have other partners and do have other partners in our lives that add to that 
And, you know, I think we're both on the same page where we, we want to expand as much as possible, but we also love the stability of having our partner and having things be really, really great at home. I, I can't really be playing or interacting or relating with anyone outside of my marriage if it's not going well. It just isn't right for me. And so um, I'm prefacing that mm-hmm. with, or, you know, wanting to talk about this unsolvable problem because I get the question a lot from people, well, how do I know if this is a need that I should have met somewhere else or if it's something that I should work on with my partner? And I feel like this is a big, mm-hmm. I was going to use the word like pass. It's it's not quite a free pass, but it's also like an understanding that there are just some things that are not going to be solved and that maybe you will never be on the same page about. I think that's like a really, just a big realization mm-hmm. for me here. Yeah. Tell us more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have to, um, I mean, I have to give some credit to the Gottman Institute for this. Like, I think I, what's in the book is really like my own take on it. Um, but I, one of the most, so for anyone listening who's not familiar, the Gottman Institute is this really great uh, like relationship research hub, and they have a whole training methodology to support um, therapists and coaches and people who work with relationships. My only kind of hang up there is that they're very um, like cishet monogamy focused. Like most of their, I don't think I've seen any research from them that is oriented to non-monogamy however they've they've come out with a lot of really 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 useful information and one of the game changers for me in my relationship to intimacy and my relationships was stuff that they publish around like the recurring fights that people have in relationships some very high percentage I can't remember off the top of my head what it is but I want to say it's like in like the range of like 70 or 80% of the recurring arguments that couples have, Mm -hmm. that conflict is not actually something that they can resolve. So the objective when we're doing conflict resolution and conflict work in a relationship is not necessarily to fix the source of that conflict, but is to look at how can we communicate about it more effectively? How can we navigate the conflict more effectively? How can we leverage that conflict for deeper intimacy and more understanding of each other, as opposed to just like spinning our wheels, trying to solve this thing that we can't actually change. Right. And, and I'll use my, like my anchor partnership. I I live with my partner who one of my, I mean, one of the other concepts I, I refer to in the book is like core wounding core wounds. And for me, one of my core wounds is abandonment because I had the experience of early parental loss when I was really young. And so that, you know, kind of shapes my whole landscape. And my partner who I live with is a touring musician who leaves all the time. (laughs) And so, you know, there's also this thing where like we choose partners who give us so much opportunity for healing and like trigger our shit. Right. And, and so there's, there's a, 
unsolvable problem in our relationship that part of his core being triggers this core wound in me. And so our work together is not to figure out how do I accompany him on every single gig he goes on because that's impossible and also not even what I want or not how to change his career so that he never leaves because that's also not what either of us want, but it's how do we accept that that's a quote unquote problem because it brings challenge and how do we embrace that challenge differently Right. rather than trying to like change the whole context. Because at the end of the day, your whole purpose, and I think your goal as a human, just knowing you and your work is to grow and to constantly reclaim the parts of yourself that don't feel whole, whether that, you know, you could call that inner child healing or, you know, soul, some people call it soul retrieval, whatever it is, but it's to like reclaim the parts of you that get triggered and that feel abandoned. And so that's the work in relationship. Whereas I think so many people on this planet don't see that as the goal. It's to bring everything in to be more comfortable Mm -hmm. for them at the expense of a lot of times their own growth or a partner's happiness. And there's so much mastery in, in the way that you sort of describe that and the way that you live your life and what you've put into this book and that concept that like, you know, and then you talk about it in this book, Sarah Perel, you know, says like the, the distance, I mean, you reference her a few times, but it's like, seeing someone as their own person as their own individual and i know that's like how you see your partner and you're like okay this is an opportunity for me to grow and be more whole well there you go we are knee deep with the pleasure witch herself irene morning she is laying the foundation for how to polyamory go get this book, Polyamory Paradox. We have linked in the show notes. And this episode is so juicy and much, much longer. So I decided to split it into two parts. Check out part two next week. And in the meantime, if you really enjoyed this episode, if it supported you in some way and you're thinking of someone else that this would really help, screenshot it, send it their way, take 60 seconds and leave a review for the show. That's another way that more people can find this work And as always, stay sexy. I love you all. See you next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.